Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Healthy Pets podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, Dr. Mercola's Chief Wellness Veterinary Consultant, and I'm excited to share with you the latest news about pet health to guide you in keeping your animal companions healthy, comfortable, and happy throughout their lives. My goal as a proactive vet is to empower pet owners to make knowledgeable decisions to extend the lifespan and well-being of their animals. If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and I'm so happy that Krista has nominated Michaela and Ethan for a Game Changer Award. And this morning we have Michaela with us, and we're so excited to learn more about the amazing work that she's doing. So congratulations on your Game Changer Award, Michaela, and uh, thank you for joining me today. Yes, thank you. And so for, for people that don't know about your passion, how you got started, why don't you back up and tell our listeners, readers, and subscribers a little bit more about how you became so passionate and so involved with the work that you do? Okay, yeah. So I am a um, primarily a fox rescuer. And my passion came from when I was younger, my mom used to do wildlife rehab and I would help her out doing wildlife rehab. And I just absolutely fell in love with this gray fox that we rehabbed. And um, that was it. That was it for me. I guess I, that was like a turning point. And I knew I wanted, I somehow wanted foxes in my life. I didn't know I was going to end up being able to like, I didn't actually know there was like a a demand for rescuing captive bred, like captive born foxes. So um, I'm glad I got here. This is not how I expected to like land, but that's, I mean, that foxes are my passion and I'm glad I was able to um, follow my dream and get where I'm at. Wow. So back up and walk us through the evolution. Um, This is my 37th year as a federally licensed wildlife rehabilitator. So I totally understand the passion of recognizing that mother nature doesn't have people out there advocating for orphaned, injured, ill, and sick wildlife. I totally get that. I get where your heart comes from. But then, and I also get the magic of foxes, magic. But then talk to me a little bit about um, the whole breeding and captivity, because that's a piece that probably a lot of people that maybe are just thinking about this for the first time, like, hmm, where does that come from? It's kind of a gross, dark backstory, but I, it's worth talking about in that fox are being bred for other reasons. Yeah, so foxes being bred in captivity originally came from being bred in fur farms. I mean, fur farms have been going on for a very long time. And um, so there's there's fur farmers that we rescue from, and then there's also breeders that we rescue from, or like people who buy foxes from breeders as a pet. And then they're like, wow, this is a lot of work and it's destroying my house and it smells like a skunk. And um, so then we end up taking them in. And um, those breeders though, I mean, those foxes, like, I mean, these foxes have been bred in captivity for like over 50 generations. So they have all these weird colors that don't even exist in the wild. And um, yeah, they all just, they all date back to fur farms. Yeah. Whether we get them directly from a fur farm or pet surrender situation. And, and right now, um, would you say that the, hopefully, at least from my perspective, 
fur farms are on the decline in that people recognize that it's a I mean, it's this disgusting deplorable industry and that you know it's a whole that's a whole different topic but i would assume what is the ratio of fur farm fox versus people who thought they'd make great pets and realize it's too much is it like 50 50 or, or would you say it's primarily people who think i'm gonna get a fox as a pet and then realize holy cats um right now like at a rescue it is pretty much a 50 50 half of them came right from a fur farm and the other half were um pet surrender situations so and then and so i have so many questions so when so first of all once you get them do they always stay with you or do you place them with other uh people who are capable of caring for them because i would think that at some point you would become completely overrun with rescue foxes yes yep like every rescue we have a capacity so we work with other rescues um there's other fox rescues that we kind of like collaborate with and uh there's certain fox rescues that kind of specialize in like different things and um so we all kind of work together whenever a fox gets surrendered to any of us just to figure out what the best place is for it and then we do I mean, we're we're licensed to adopt foxes out, but of course, like we would never want to put a fox in the situation. They got them here in the first place. So if somebody were to want to adopt a fox from us, they like we have to like train them in. They need like a certain amount of like training hours. They need, you know, knowledge and experience. And um, there's a whole criteria that they have to follow to be able to um, legally and just, you know, knowledgeably adopt a fox. So talk to me a little bit about the regulations, because it's a little bit like people who think, you know, bobcats are amazing, which they are, cheetah, um, amazing, which they are, and then people want one. So can yeah. you walk us through, is it, what are the legalities and do it, does it vary state to state? And then what's your, for people that say, oh my gosh, fox are cool. They're smart and playful and adorable. I think I want one. Can you go through go through the the legalities and then why you would or would not recommend them um so the legalities do vary state to state and uh we all just we always just tell people like check with your state but then also check with your county because okay like in minnesota for example where i live you know you can have a pet fox in the state of minnesota but many counties will like restrict it and of course like apartments and usually any like subdivision and like suburbs and areas like that don't allow pet foxes and that kind of goes for a lot of states too they prefer them to be out out in the country <laughs> yes and and so for someone that says um fox are adorable which they are and they're sweet and you know so playful and so smart just very just really unique animals a little bit like raccoons in that people see baby raccoons and they're like oh my gosh i want one what's your advice as a seasoned fox owning and loving veteran what's your advice um you never want to compare them to a dog or cat so if you have if you want a fox and your expectation is like oh my gosh they're kind of like a dog or kind of like a cat you're going to be very disappointed because they're they're not domesticated like cats and foxes are, sorry, 
dogs and cats are and um they're very destructive um my house i have foxes that come in my house I, they have like outdoor yards but i do allow some of them inside and uh because of this we have no carpet in the house we have no furniture in the house all of our beds are murphy beds that, that fold into the wall because they will dig through anything and they will pee on anything and um they they smell really bad <laughs> they're really stinky animals so if you were to let a fox into your house your your whole house is going to smell bad forever and um yeah i mean that's just some of the things i guess i guess i kind of tell people who are interested in adopting that they kind of have to have like think of it as more of like a farm animal like you want an outdoor mm. enclosure for them mm and um just like expect expect them don't don't expect that you're going to be able to like happily have a fox in the house because uh most people can't handle that just because it's just it's a lot you know they're jumping on the counters and they're peeing in your cups and they're just doing all sorts of things <laughs> all sorts of all sorts of socially but wild animal behaviors you know they're yeah. they're 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 social uh and so enjoyable to watch but yet very much you know, still have a lot of wild tendencies and that you need to be yeah. aware of. Um, so can I ask how many, uh, how many fox do you care for? Like in your, how, how many animals do you have in and around your home? Um, usually at any given time, the rescue has about like 50 animals on site. Wow. And then we also have like staff and volunteers and stuff nice. that come in and help. Nice. And is there a big difference between the foxes coming in from being rescued from fur farms and the foxes that people thought would make great pets that realized, holy cats, my house is destroyed. I don't, I can't deal with this anymore. Do the, the foxes coming from fur farms, I know that they were, that fox were bred to be quite, so, you know, that they were bred to be docile. Yeah. Is there a big notable personality difference between those two categories? Yes, yes and no. I guess I feel like it kind of depends on the breeder. I don't always know what breeders these foxes are coming from, but I, I have noticed that like the temperament in some of the pet surrender foxes are like very, like they're very, very social. They're not as like maybe shy or skittish as some of the, the fur farm rescue foxes, even if even if we got like a fur farm rescue fox as a pup and then we got like a pet surrender fox as a pup. Yeah. A lot of times like the pet surrender ones are just like more social. And I think that's just because they've been bred so long, just specifically for those like social tendencies rather than just fur quality. So yeah. there is a little bit of a difference, but I mean, sometimes we get, we get pet surrenders. Um, I guess the pet surrenders usually come in kind of more damaged like emotionally or psychologically yes. than the fur farm rescue ones. And people are always surprised about this. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the pet surrender ones came from an abusive situation, mm -hmm. but they came from a family and like they were once loved and they got all this attention and everything. And then their world just gets like flipped upside down. And then they're just like, what they, what's going on and they kind of freak out and it takes us a long time to adjust and then the fur farm rescue ones they're just grateful they're like oh wow uh, suddenly we have like all the space <laughs> yeah yeah I believe that you know our I have not kept up with fur industry it just is a it's a it's a whole topic that literally makes my skin crawl uh are are the number of fur farms declining in Canada definitely. and in the U.S. definitely it's definitely it's definitely dying. 
good good yeah yeah and would you say that the number of people breeding I'm going to call it's not an exotic it's it's an indigenous animal it's like raccoon breeders people are breeding raccoons for pets and they have a USDA license to do it are those are the number of those those people trying to make fox into sociable pets are they declining or not necessarily you still are getting a lot I don't I don't see them declining at all um if anything there it might be going up (laughs) so I guess just the big thing is just us trying to educate people and um I mean I I really wish I really wish breeders would just make sure to screen people and like educate them and I, I just wish there were more breeders out there that actually you know cared (laughs) right and not a a profit thing because yeah that's that's a big problem too it it is a little bit like um factory farming for you know it's it's like the the whole people on that are familiar with anything understand puppy mills but there really are like fox mills that's exactly what they are they're just kind of bred and maybe not for their fur anymore but they're people just breeding foxes for sale and they will sell to absolutely anyone. And you're right. The educational piece is critical because they're not like a dog or a cat at all. And so I, I find it wonderful and amazing that you've taken on this kind of niche, (laughs) this kind of niche rescue and niche, um, niche passion, which is beautiful. Uh, What do you, what do you love most about the work that you do with this magical? And I think very misunderstood species. Um, that's hard to say. I mean, there's so much I, I love about it and there's so much that's like very hard about it, but I guess I, mean, I love bottle raising. I love bottle raising the little babies. Um, that's always just like such a cool, like bonding experience for me. And, um, I guess because, because of the fact they're not releasable, like some people are, are confused as like why you can't release them into the wild. And it's because they were born in captivity and they don't know wild. And, um, that just could never be a possibility for them. So I guess I like, I like the bonding experience of being able to bottle raise them and like socialize them. And, um, that just makes my heart happy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So when we think about this, really important work that you're doing because you're in a tough spot. Most federally licensed wildlife rehabilitators, uh, you know, we take, it's illegal to take an animal from the wild and keep it as a pet. And most people know that. Mm -hmm. So wildlife rehabbers take those animals like your mama did fix them and then release them. That Mm -hmm. isn't a possibility for the, for the foxes that you're working with. They were born in captivity, either for their skin or for their fur or to be pets. And that didn't work out and they can never go back to the wild because they don't know how to be a wild fox. Yeah, so and you it's illegal actually. People don't realize yeah. that it's it's illegal yes. to release captive born animals into the wild. <laughs> yeah. And the reason being is that there those captive born animals can hold diseases that will totally obliterate wild populations. So if anyone watching this, if you have an indigenous species, don't even if it's a turtle that you got from the pet store, do not release it into the wild because that's exactly yeah, it how it doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help at all. Yeah. And that's, thank you for bringing it up. That's a really important point. But so you have a difficult job because you have an animal that is not necessarily amazing in the house 
And people think that, oh my gosh, they're so cute. I'm going to get one and then realize, oh my goodness, no. So you have this growing population of animals that can never go back and be wild animals again. And they do have specialized care and that they need to be outside and they need to be able to express their natural tendencies and moving their bodies and digging and foraging and interacting and playing, which takes space and time. Mm -hmm. And also respect that they're not a dog or a cat. They're neither. And they're not domestic or wild. They're somewhere in between. So you've got this really unique, important job as a fox rescuer. If, if you put that all together, and if you think about kind of um, your mission or your passion and, and trying to help the general public who probably doesn't know a whole lot about fox information, fox, fox behavior, if you could tell the world one thing about foxes or human interaction with foxes, if you could relay some thoughts about what you want people to know most what would it be? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so hard. Um, and it can be a bunch of thoughts. Not, it doesn't have to be one. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess one important one that I guess doesn't necessarily have to do with my captive rescue foxes, but this is a question we have a lot and it's about like, don't feed wild foxes because you know if you're getting them tame and used to you that could actually put them at risk for you know being shot or being killed by people or um also messes up the ecosystem with them hunting and you know making sure that they're catching food and eating healthy and and stuff like that so that's something that we often have to bring up to our followers as cool as it would be to feed wild foxes um probably not best for them. So uh, that's something to think about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that maybe uh, we look at animals in their natural environment. Like let's say people do have a fox that comes and visits their backyard and how beautiful they are and how entertaining, uh, how just interesting they are to watch them interact that they may not be amazing pets in the house. Maybe. <laughs> You know, I mean, you, you have a, your entire home is and property is filled with animals that people at one time thought would be a great pet and ended up not being a great pet. eh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having, having a fox in the house, I, I guess to me is like having like, I don't know, like goats or chickens or like horses in the house. Like they, they just mm -hmm. don't belong indoors. They're just gonna <laughs> Like, just like, like other farm animals are just not meant to be like in the house, even though foxes aren't farm animals, but they require being outside. They require having, yeah. having space. And that's just something that's like super important. Like when people want to adopt from us and, and they want to have the fox in the house, we're always like, you know, you can have the fox come in your house, but in order to adopt, like you have to have an outdoor suitable enclosure with like dig guard and lean in because they can dig out and they can climb they can climb straight up fences so yeah. there's just a lot that goes into um even being able to contain a fox safely outside mm -hmm. such important work that you're doing and really not a whole lot it's wonderful that you have a network of other rescuers it's fox rescuers it's wonderful because it's it's not it's not a common Thing. So we're so thankful that it's your passion and we're so thankful that you're doing it. These animals need uh, advocacy and they need support and they need people to educate 
uh, about their needs and their and their in their importance in the environment as well. Fox are, in my opinion, a very misunderstood species. Yeah. Um, if people if people wanted to learn more about your rescue efforts, your educational efforts, what you're doing, or if they wanted to support you and follow you, where would they go to get more information, Michaela? Um, so saveafox.org is our website and uh, Save a Fox Corporation is our Facebook page. And uh, we also have Instagram, which is saveafox underscore rescue. So I am so thankful. <laughs> that Krista nominated you and your yes, organization. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Krista. Thank you, Krista. It's wonderful. And I'm so thankful that there are people like you who find a species that is uh, kind of your, you know, your, your soulmate and just will do everything yeah. they can for the educational support and the being able to help these animals that really are stuck in between not being able to be released and not being amazing house pets. They need help and support and you're providing that. So we're so thankful for everything you're doing. Well, thank you. I enjoy it. <laughs>